Well, hello, oddballs. It's your host, Bobby, and this is Oddities on Elm Street. Welcome back, and thank you for joining me on episode 50. It feels like a little bit of a milestone. 50 episodes is kind of a big deal. So thank you all so much for being here and supporting the show thus far. If you enjoy the podcast and want more content from us, be sure to head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash oddities on Elm Street. There you will find mini episodes, bloopers, bonus content, and much more. So today is going to be a solo episode. I'm going to be continuing our series that we have called the Reddit Chronicles. So basically, I have compiled a list of super spooky stories from Reddit to share with you all today. So buckle in, ladies and gentlemen. All of these stories come from the subreddit called Ask Reddit. And let's kick it off with story number one. Our first story comes from a Redditor called Fubar Is My Life. They say, I always parked in a certain spot at my last job for 12 years that I was there. It was accessible to the public as it wasn't my company parking, but they wanted us to park in the back of the lot so the closer spots would be available for customers. One day, my spot was taken by a dark-tinted caddy, and I'm immediately pissed because everyone knows it's mine. It's morning shift, so 4am. It can't be one of the others, because I know what they drive. So is it a newbie? Or maybe another employee from another shop in the plaza? It's still there on my lunch break and when I go home, and the next day. I come in at 1pm till close, around 9.30, and then also the next. Something about it really bothered me. It smelled wrong. Literally, it's the South, and high summer, and who knows what's baking in there. My dad was a Marine and then a police officer. He always said, if you feel like something's wrong, there probably is. So I dialed the non-emergency contact police number. I felt like an idiot, but every time I walked by, it bugged me. So I was stuck waiting for over an hour before anyone shows, and honestly, if I hadn't been off the next day, I would have probably been like, fuck it. But I waited. Mostly because I can be a petty son of a bitch, and that's my spot, damn it. The police show, all annoyed because who knows how many they-can't-park-here calls they get. They run the license plate, though, and then things go crazy. They want my info, want me to contact my manager, does this lot have cameras, have I ever touched the car, etc. Apparently, the car is on an Amber Alert as the last sighting of a missing person who was a minor, a 15-year-old girl. When they pop the trunk, they find her dead, mutilated body under a blanket in the source of the smell. She had gone out with her much older, controlling, and insecure boyfriend, but had decided to get out of that relationship. She only made the mistake of getting into the car with him. He drove three counties over after torturing her, stuffing her in there, and who knows what else, then parked and walked away and left her to die in the trunk. I never learned her time of death, so it haunts me sometimes thinking she might have been saved if I'd made a fuss earlier. So yeah, listen to your gut even if it seems petty. Our second story comes from a user called Raptor Sandwich 27 
I was with a guy for a couple of years when I realized that he had taken up smoking meth as a hobby after work. We had numerous problems already, and I had three small kids, so I finally kicked him out. A few days later, maybe a week, he makes a fake Facebook page and sends me a friend request. The only posts on the page were talking about killing me and my children, his suicide, and how he planned to do it that day. The most recent post was accompanied by a selfie of him in my backyard. A recent selfie. So he had been there. I was on my way home with the kids late in the evening when I got the request. I had stopped by my parents' home the day before and gotten my dad's 9mm handgun because he was sending me messages through mutual friends about burning my house down. I called the police as soon as I got home, and they didn't seem to think it was a big deal and didn't have an officer available to come check my house before we walked into it. I live in the middle of the woods and we have a rinky-dink police force. Anyway, I made the kids stay in the car, I gave my oldest instructions on what to do if anything happened, and I had to sweep my own home in the dark with a 9mm in case he was in there waiting for me and my children, and it was terrifying. I had to check my entire house every time we came home for a while, and I was always worried that I'd eventually find him in there. Police were called numerous times, and I was eventually granted a restraining order a couple weeks later when the death threats continued. He died about a year ago, and all I felt was relief. This next story comes from Echo 5 Juliet. I was driving a shortcut from 29 Palms, California to Albuquerque, New Mexico. 29 Palms is located in the desolate high desert of East LA. The shortcut was all two-lane road through total nothingness, except for passing through Amboy, California. Amboy is a nearly abandoned town nearly as far below sea level as Death Valley, with a dormant volcano and lava field on one side and a salt flat on the other. It was also, at the time, a hotspot for satanic group activity. So I was driving by myself in the afternoon. I stopped in Amboy and snapped a picture of the city sign, just to prove I was there to friends who dared me to take that route to I-40. I got back in my car and proceeded to drive up into the mountain range between Amboy and I-40. Once I reach the top, I am driving north through a canyon with high grass on both sides of the road. Up ahead, I see some stuff in the middle of the road. As I approach, I slow down to see a red Pontiac Fiero stopped sideways across both lanes, a suitcase open with clothes scattered everywhere, and two bodies laying face down in the road, a man and a woman. I stop a hundred feet or so away and the hair on the back of my neck is standing up. Being a marine, I reach under the seat and pull out my 9mm pistol and chamber around. Something seemed very wrong. It looked too perfect, as if it were staged. An ambush? Was I being paranoid? Something was just wrong. Getting out of the car seemed unthinkable. It was the horror movie move. As I scanned the road, I saw a line I could drive. Past the guy in the road on his left, swerved to the right side of the woman, behind the Fiero, and I'd be on the other side. I dropped it into first gear, punched it, and drove the line I planned. I passed the back of the Fiero without hitting it or either of the bodies in the road. 
I continued forward a couple hundred feet and slowed down so I could breathe and let my heart slow down. As I looked up into the rearview mirror, I saw that the two bodies had gotten up to their knees and twenty or so people emerged from the tall grass on either side of the road by the car and bodies. At that moment, my right foot smashed the gas pedal to the floor and did not let up until I had to slow down for the I-40 East on-ramp. I will never know what would have happened to me had I gotten out of the car to check on the bodies or stopped my car closer to them. Somehow, I do not think it would have been good. Sometimes real life can be scarier than a movie. Our fourth story comes from a user that has since deleted their account, but it was just so creepy I have to share it. I was in Taiwan one year when I was younger and had traveled to a busy night market. These are popular gatherings that usually operate in the evening. Nearby, I spotted a sign for a net cafe in a five to six story tall building. Thinking I'd fire off some quick emails, I walked in the dark, small entrance of the building. The building was older and hadn't been well maintained, but it's not out of the ordinary in Taiwan. The entrance just had a dark hallway that led to a small elevator. I pressed the elevator call button and entered. The elevator was uncharacteristically new compared to the building, but I didn't think much of it. Like some Chinese buildings, there wasn't a fourth floor. It's considered bad luck since four sounds like death. So it just read one, two, three, five, six, which was usual. I looked for the floor the net cafe was at, the sixth floor, and I pressed the button. It lurched into action quietly and began the ascend. When it stopped, I figured it was my floor, so I instinctively began to step out. Right before stepping out, however, the sight outside the elevator stopped me. It was pitch dark, only lit by the light in the elevator. It looked like it hadn't been occupied for decades, with some random pieces of furniture covered with white cloth. It was a small building, so each floor were single occupancy so I could see pretty much the entire floor from the elevator. Thinking I must have gotten the wrong floor, I checked the light that indicates which floor you're on. Strangely, there was nothing. None of the indicators were on, but the floor button to the net cafe was still lit, so I know I haven't gotten there yet. All of this happened within a couple seconds. That's when I noticed a figure moving in the distance of the floor. It was not very visible, but I can make out what looked like a person dressed in some kind of a gown, moving slowly toward the elevator. I was thoroughly creeped out, so I started pressing the closed door button. As soon as I pressed it, the elevator light flickered off. I am this close to pissing my pants, and it's actually kind of freaking me out thinking back to it. The lights flickered back on under a second, and the door closed, the elevator jolted back to life. A few moments later, it opened again to the net cafe. I am beyond relieved at this point. I walked out immediately and sat down at a computer. After gathering my wits a bit, I walked over to the cashier's desk and told them what I saw. The girl working there listened and her face turned a bit ashen. So I asked her if she had heard of similar... She told me that she's never experienced it, but some co-workers and occasional customers have brought it up. Basically, the building was six floors, and the fourth floor had a history. 
Apparently, the floor used to be a hair salon of sorts, until one of the employees killed herself there for some reason. She slit her wrists over the hair wash station and died. The store continued operations despite stories of weird appearances. When customers got their hair rinsed, the water would look a little red, like the customer was bleeding. Little things like that. And a couple people reported seeing someone's figure walking away in the mirror. Naturally, the business closed down a few months later. The building owner tried to re-rent the place out but never had any luck. Most businesses are quite superstitious, and no one wanted to rent the fourth floor after someone had died in it, even at a very cheap price. Finally, after dropping the price to nearly nothing, a stationary supply store wanted to rent. During the renovations of the floor, however, several accidents would happen. Tools would end up in strange places, a mirror from the previous business shattered when no one was near it, and finally, a worker had his hand jammed between the elevator doors when it closed on him unexpectedly. The workers refused to continue working, and finally, the business left, and the building owner finally gave up and shut the floor down. He then had the elevator company come in to replace the panel so that the elevator could not go to the fourth floor. Let me repeat that. The elevator was programmed to never go to the fourth floor. It doesn't even have the button. But for some reason, sometimes when people take that elevator, it would go to the fourth floor and the doors would open and some, like myself, would see a figure walking around in the dark. Our next story also comes to us from a deleted user. They said, I was born and raised in North Dakota. Back when I was in high school, a group of us would research murders that occurred out in the country. We would then go out to find the scenes and film the exploration at night. This was about two years before Blair Witch. It was something to do while we got wasted on shitty beer and teenage bullshit. Eventually, we ran out of places to go. It's North Dakota. Few people few murders, and instead got really good at finding abandoned rural farmsteads by driving dirt roads and looking for the signs. Rut roads, deliberate tree groves, and old mailbox posts were all common markers. We were out looking when we spotted a tree grove that was out of place, a sure sign, and drove through the field and discovered an old but not too old house. It had padlocks on the outside doors that were knocked off pretty easily. We dispatched of them and entered the kitchen. There were six of us, all with flashlights, and we lit up the kitchen-slash-dining-room area fairly easily. The table was the initial thing you noticed, and it was strange because of how normal it looked. It was set for a meal, and not a bowl was out of place. Only thing was, we'd been in dozens of these houses and place settings were a first, especially on broken ones. As we investigated the area, we found the fridge had the disgusting remnants of a full stock, and the cupboards were full of canned and dried food. This was also a first. One guy found mail on the counter from early June 1978, and another found a creepy-ass TV guide in the living room with UFOs on the cover. All of the family photos were hanging up. Mom, dad, brother and sister, in their 1970s glory. Furniture was dusty, but in good condition. Closets were full. Everything was totally normal. 
which was super abnormal. As we dug around the house, we all started to realize that this house had not been moved out of. It had been straight up abandoned. Imagine locking the door to your house and never coming back. That's the state this house was in. Complete, unplanned departure. We went upstairs and split into three pairs to check out the three rooms. Ours was the closest, and obviously it was the younger boy's room. I can't describe what it looked like too well, because almost right away from the hall, we heard the most terrifying scream I've ever had the misfortune of hearing. We went running into the hallway, and we were all yelling questions at each other at the same time. After a few really long seconds, the two screamers caught their breath and said, you have to go in and see. The room itself opened up to the left of the doorframe and centered on the right side of the room was a queenish-sized bed. Propped up on pillows with the blanket drawn to the waist, arms on top of the blanket, and worst of all, head turned slightly so it was looking you straight in the eyes when you entered the room, was a life-sized porcelain doll. Snow white skin, jet black hair, cold, dead eyes. The dead eyes lit up with our flashlights, like she was waiting for us. If the head hadn't been turned, I could excuse it, but it was turned, ready for when we walked in, ready for 20 years. Hasty exits were made down the stairs and into the car. It was during the ride we started to get even more creeped out when we realized that even though the house had been abandoned, someone had taken the time to set up that goddamn doll. Not packing food, clothes, or family photos, setting up the doll was one of the last things done in this house. We researched their names but got nothing. No tragic car accident, no grisly massacre, no extended family, just a tacky time capsule in the middle of nowhere. We found out that the county had taken possession of the land for non-payment of taxes, explaining the locks, but never tracked down any more information on what happened to them or why they left that fucking doll. Story number six comes from AmBam3434. I worked as a park ranger for a few summers. It was a great job, but the downside was dealing with the public. I have tons of crazy stories, but only one extremely creepy one. I was scheduled to close the park one night with another girl. The park opened at dawn and closed at dusk. The closing duties were to drive around and make sure everyone was out of the park and then close the gates. You had to make sure everyone was out or else they would get locked inside. Kristen and I got into the truck together to check the day-use picnic area, both campgrounds, and all bathrooms. When we left the upper lot, there were no cars in the parking lot of the ranger station. This is important later. We cruised around, checked all areas, all was good, so we drove back up to the gate and ranger station to close up. I got out to close the gate and jumped back into the truck. Kristen pointed out that while we were gone, a jeep had parked in the parking lot. We thought this was super weird since we hadn't seen anyone parked there earlier, but whatever. We parked the truck a couple spots away from the jeep and got out. We figured we'd just tell the person to leave and then we could go home. As we approached the vehicle, we could barely see someone sitting in the driver's seat. We had dim street lamps, so we knew someone was in there. I waved, got no response, no movement. Kristen knocked on the window. The person didn't respond. We both started feeling like something was wrong. 
I got chills standing there, and we both stepped away from the jeep, alarmed at the lack of response. We both decided to go get our boss, who lived across the street on site. We weren't supposed to bother him at night, but this was too weird. He got his shoes on and walked over with us. As we were crossing the street, we saw the door to the jeep slowly open. Then all three of us saw a figure creep out of the vehicle and crawl underneath. All we saw was a shadow, since there wasn't a lot of light. All of us were scared shitless. It was something out of a horror movie. Kristen got on the phone with the police while my boss and I slowly approached the vehicle. My boss told the person they needed to leave and that we were calling the cops. We could see someone sitting under the lifted jeep near the front tires. The person wasn't moving or responding. Once the police showed up, they were visibly freaked out too. They had guns drawn and everything. It turned out to be some person tripping on meth. We had no idea why they showed up at the park or what they were doing there, but the cops did find drugs and a loaded gun in the vehicle. After that night, my boss changed all policies regarding closing duties. He added extra closers and we had to carry mace. It was truly terrifying to witness someone creep out of their car and scramble like an animal underneath. It was like she was possessed. Our seventh and final story comes from Jumpy Mastodon 581. It wasn't me it happened to, however, I did witness it. I was about 11 at the time, and we lived in a house where strange things happened all the time. Nothing, like, crazy, but little things, like bumps in the night and stuff being where you didn't leave it. I remember it was around Halloween. We were buying stuff for a party at the end of the month, and my mom bought some rubber masks. My little brother grabbed one, and it was a typical red devil mask. We had an attic, and we always kept it closed. This day, my brother, who was two or three at the time, was running around with the mask on. He was laughing, and out of nowhere, he just goes silent. My mom and I get concerned because he was quiet for a few minutes, and we see him in the hallway, staring straight up at the open attic. My mom calls out to him, and he doesn't respond or acknowledge her. It was like he was in a trance. My mom pulls him away from the attic's opening, and he starts laughing again like nothing happened. What made it more creepy was that he had tears in his eyes when we took the mask off. Alright, that's all I have for you guys today. I know this episode is a little bit on the shorter side, so I'm sorry for that, but thank you all so much for joining me today on our 50th episode. I hope you all have a lovely week, and remember to always keep it spooky. Spooky.